0: His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to His and Hers Horror. My name is Tia. And I'm David. And we're talking vampires.
1: Indeed we are.
0: It's another remake redux, everyone. It is. And we're doing Fright Night.
1: Mmm, classic.
0: It it is. I have thoughts about it. Fair. Because I had seen the remake because of course I had. Right. But I had never seen the original until yesterday.
1: I believe Fright Night was the first vampire film I ever saw. At least the first one I remember seeing. Mm -hmm. And I I remember aspects of it fondly. Mm -hmm. And the rewatch, a lot of things went over my head when I was uh, (laughs) six or seven.
0: There were things you didn't notice. Things I had to be like, wait, did you see that? And rewind it back a little bit?
1: Look... (laughs) <laughs> I watched films through a different lens when I was six or seven years old
0: no that's that's fair and and yeah of course you did
1: Now being in my 40s and doing a podcast that focuses heavily on film yeah it's a it's a different lens
0: Watching a film critically, critically. versus watching it for enjoyment is like a totally different experience and you find yourself picking apart even movies that you love mm-hmm like, even stuff that you really enjoy, you find yourself just, like, nitpicking to, little like, little details.
1: And, I mean, our goal isn't to necessarily nitpick no. every single movie, but...
0: No, but there are some things where I'm like, wait. I'll, like, I'll get into it a little bit more when we're actually talking about the movies. But so Fair. Yeah. Anyway. For anybody who would like to uh, watch either film, mm-hmm. the remake is currently available free if you have Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. The original I ended up having to buy. I th- I debated between just renting it and just and then buying it. There was like a nine dollar difference, and
1: my nostalgia won out.
0: His nostalgia won out, and so I basically said, you know, I've paid more for less. Fair. So I just went ahead and did it, and then we finished watching the movie, and I was like, I own this now.
1: Yes, and David looks at me,
0: and David looks at me and goes, "But you've paid more for less," (laughs) and I'm like, "Yes, that is true. That is still true. (laughs) That doesn't make me feel any better about it." So the basic plot of the two movies is the same. You have this teenager named Charlie, who becomes convinced. Either convinces himself or a friend convinces him that his new neighbor Jerry is a vampire. Right. So let's talk about the original nineteen eighty five version first. It's another one of my birth year movies.
1: It's just so many of them. I it, it feels like your your birth year is I, just a treasure trove of horror films.
0: Apparently. I like, I don't know how that happens.
1: I mean, I looked up 1979 horror films just out of curiosity, and there's a lot of them. Just a lot of them.
0: Aren't very good.
1: Yeah.
0: Because well, there was one we were going to do when we were doing Your Birth Year. Last year, for your birthday, we were doing 1979 horror. We It was hard to find two movies that we could do because we didn't want to do Amityville because that would that was another remake redux option. And there were other stuff where we were, like couldn't find it. So,
1: yeah, it was uh, it was tricky,
0: but yeah, we'll have to. I don't know if we've done My Birth Year yet.
1: Well, I mean, we're running out of options, we are running out
0: of options, but anyway, but we may have to. Yeah, we'll see. So, the 1985 version, uh, written and directed by Tom Holland, not that one, <laughs> obviously.
1: <laughs> I still joked about it.
0: Yeah, this was actually his directorial debut, cool. specifically because. Previous screenplays he had written, he wasn't happy with the choices that the directors had made and wanted to try basically telling his own story his way.
1: So he wrote and directed it?
0: Yes. Okay. The cast, we have uh, Chris Sarandon as Jerry Dandridge. Mm -hmm. He's been in a lot of things. He was uh, Humperdinck, Prince Mm -hmm. Humperdinck in Princess Bride. He's also the voice of Jack Skellington. Yes. Which I had forgotten about.
1: And I tell you what, 1985 Chris Sarandon, damn.
0: Pretty cute, yeah. Uh, William Ragsdale is Charlie Brewster. He was Herman on Herman's Head, which I never watched, but I'm sure you recall.
1: Oh, yeah, I recall it.
0: Uh, Amanda Bierce is Amy Peterson. She was Marcy on Married with Children.
1: You know, it was halfway through the movie before I'm like, why do I know that face? Why do do I know you? And I was like, it's annoying me. And then I'm like, oh, annoying. Like like
0: it clicked. Yeah. Like
1: like thinking the word annoying, because I'm... Like, th- through a modern lens looking at Married with Children, really, m- while a bit obnoxious, Marcy was actually the good person. No. Yeah. <laughs> but we root for the yeah. bunnies, so, you know.
0: Yeah. Roddy McDowell is Peter Vincent. He was uh, Cornelius and Caesar in the Planet of the Apes series. Yes. Stephen Jeffries is Evil Ed Thompson. He had done he's done some other like horror stuff, but I couldn't find anything specific.
1: I did find one thing. He um wait, no, that was somebody else. Never mind.
0: Okay. Jonathan Stark is Billy Cole. He's mostly a producer.
1: He's the one. I believe he did uh, an episode of uh, the original creep show or Tales from the Crypt.
0: Uh it would have had to been Tales from the Crypt because there wasn't a creep show TV show before.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just saw one little blurb about it. I could go look it up, but I'm not going to.
0: Okay. That's fair. Dorothy Fielding is uh, the mom, Judy Brewster, mm-hmm. who might as well not even have been there. I don't... Sh- well... I, I'll i get into it. She, she did had,
1: fine acting.
0: She was... The, no, I, her acting was fine, but like her, I don't understand what her character brought to the film, because she was barely there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she didn't really do anything of import. And then Art J. Evans is Detective Lennox... Mm -hmm. He was Barnes in Die Hard 2. Yes, he was. So let's talk about this movie. All right. I want to go ahead, and since I've just kind of mentioned it, briefly talk about Charlie's mom in the 1985 version and just the lack of necessity of her as a character.
1: She serves one plot point.
0: One plot point, and that is she is the person who invites Jerry into the house. Yep. Because at that point, Charlie is already suspicious and is warning people away from from Jerry. But otherwise, she doesn't really search. She doesn't really... You could have told me that his mom was like away on business and he was staying in the house by himself. And I would have been like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Because clearly the dad is either dead or the parents are divorced. Dad's not in the picture. Right. Not in the picture enough that mom is talking about how Jerry is cute and single, but with her kind of luck, he's probably gay.
1: Yeah, yeah. She she does mention that. And at, my brain heard that comment and thought, is that offensive? And then I'm like, no, not really. I don't think so. I'm, I'm thinking in the context. It's it's just saying, you know what? It's it's that whole, you know, all the good guys are either taken or gay.
0: Yeah. Plus the fact that it's just so I think it's kind of cool that it's just said so nonchalant. It's not it's not even like a big deal.
1: Yeah, and she doesn't say it with any kind of tone.
0: No, there's no derision. She's just like, oh, with my kind of luck, he's probably gay. Yeah. Like, she's sad about it. That yeah. just, just from a I-can't-date-him-if-he's-gay kind of standpoint. But, like, she doesn't really do anything for most of the rest of the film that's in any way, like, influences the plot. She- and even in the finale, she's just gone because she has started working nights.
1: I will say there's an awkward moment with her.
0: Oh, when she asks Charlie and Amy if they're having a lover's spat
1: right after the last line saying something about you know making love,
0: yeah, when Amy's like going to have sex with Charlie, even though she clearly doesn't want to,
1: and he has been pressuring her until he's suddenly distracted by the window yeah and and so she's she's kind of ticked off at the whole you know i just I just set my mind to saying yes, I took my top off and Now you're focused on the window. Like, hot and cold. But then again, she pulls a lot of hot and cold, shit. She
0: does. She pulls... She's... I I distinctly remember at one point saying, out loud, I need you to pick a lane. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, when it comes to her and Charlie, she's either, like, all in, I love him, or doesn't want to have anything to do with him.
1: Smash a burger in his face. Smashing
0: burgers in his face. When it comes to Jerry, she's either terrified of him or she wants to fuck him. Yeah. And I'm just like... What? Well,
1: with the make the, a
0: decision and stick with it, please. With
1: the <laughs> Jerry point, and, and I believe I said this when we were watching it too. I have known people who yeah. have a hard time discerning that fine line between fear and excitement, and sometimes people will be like, "I'm scared. I'm scared." Wait, am I scared? Maybe I'm just excited, and so they sometimes talk themselves into things.
0: well, like uh, within seconds, though, it's oh yeah, her bouncing back and forth. That's, that's the problem I have with it is that it's, it's such a rapid back and forth with her that it doesn't seem genuine, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's a movie. Obviously it's not right. real, but you're supposed to be making me think that it's real. Cause that's the whole thing. That's how
1: believable, that characters, believable make...
0: characters make believable choices. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's just very weird. The fashions in this movie are, are
1: fantastic.
0: So many suspenders.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Like, I, at one point, I think, I think it might have been Jerry was wearing suspenders over a sweatshirt. Yes. And, <laughs> and I, I swear to God, I think maybe this is just a fever dream, but I think.
1: The whole movie's a fever dream.
0: Yeah. A, a lot of overalls for Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Also suspenders for her as well.
1: Was there a belt shortage in 85? I don't remember. I
0: don't think so. Not that I'm aware of. Why?
1: Well, I mean, just... you know.
0: the, s- the suspenders and overalls?
1: Well, I mean, just the, the functionality. Because, I mean, you know, some people wear belts for fashion. Some people wear suspenders for fashion. I prefer to lean towards my Virgo instincts and say, you wear a belt to keep your pants up. If, if you don't have a belt that works with those pants, wear suspenders.
0: I do remember there being a, a fair share of my childhood where I was wearing overalls a lot. Mm. Either, like, full length like cargo overalls mm-hmm. or there are I know there are photos in my photo album of me in Branson in like overall shorts hmm. so okay. like it's yeah. j- denim short overall things
1: yeah Did yeah I, have I ever told you about the the time my dad let me dress myself no uh, okay so quick side tangent from a tangent. Um, my dad once let me dress myself before going to preschool, mm-hmm. and I put on red corduroy pants, cowboy boots, and then put on overalls, <laughs> because I felt the bib overall was like a tank top, so it was like a shirt. It was just a shirt that was really difficult to put on, especially over red corduroy pants in Southern California.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and you would think we wouldn't leave until I changed, right?
0: No, he lets you wear that shit, I bet.
1: It wasn't until about one thirty in the afternoon that one of the teachers in, in, in preschool, or, it was either preschool or kindergarten, I just remember uh, it was uh, Miss Donna, uh, pulled me aside and asked me where my shirt was. And I said, this is my shirt, see? And I was pulling on the straps. I remember this vividly because she goes, uh-uh, no. No, that's that's not a shirt. Where is your shirt? I'm like, this is what I wore. And she told me that it wasn't correct to lie. And then said, I'm going to call your parents. And so she called my parents. And my mom at the time was a receptionist for my dad's business. And uh, she had no idea what I wore. And came to pick me up. Because I, she, she was told I was dressed inappropriately. And, uh, yeah. So, I, and here I was thinking the cowboy boots were a bit too much. But, no, it was a
0: It was the lack of shirt.
1: Look, I was a small child.
0: That's fair. So, okay...
1: that tangent went nowhere
0: no it's fine I do want to point out something that I noticed is I feel like whoever was in charge of continuity Mm. for this movie didn't do a very good job there were some weird editing choices that were made there was one sequence that I noticed specifically and I did run it back there were two times I ran it back because I was like surely I didn't see what I thought I saw where Jerry is clearly in Charlie's room
1: Yeah, because you can see the posters of the car. You
0: can see a car poster and the just plain white curtains of the Mm -hmm. window. But then it cuts to him standing over his mom's bed. Mm -hmm. And her bedroom is a completely different... Like, the walls are pink. There's the white curtains, but there's also, like, some floral.
1: No lights are on, just the moonlight coming from outside. Right, exactly.
0: And so clearly someone wanted to do this whole creeping in, but they had, like... It was like they forgot to shoot it, which... Maybe if this is a first-time director, maybe he like realized, oh, I wanted this shot and I forgot to get it, and someone just said, oh, I can make it work, and it doesn't. If you're paying attention, yeah, because he goes from being in a teenage boy's bedroom to instantly in the mom's bedroom,
2: and then five minutes later, five minutes later,
0: they (laughs) use the exact same cut. They use the exact same shot of him walking from Charlie's bedroom window towards Charlie, who was hiding in his closet.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that door, that door frame was actually the the closet. And I'm like, it didn't make sense to me what you were pointing out until I saw it to the end. And I'm like, oh my God, that is the same shot again. Right. Like, and I was
0: like, that's clearly Charlie's room.
1: And yeah. the same
0: shot was used twice. The same handful of frames. I
1: couldn't even say, well, maybe one of mom's walls has the same car posters. No, it's.
0: No, it's because the walls are in, because the walls are a different color. Yeah. It's not even just the poster. The color of the walls is different. Yeah. Um. I would like to talk about the club scene.
1: Mmm, one of my favorite
0: scenes. So, at this point in the film, Charlie has man is trying to convince Amy and his friend Ed that Jerry is a vampire. They have gotten Peter Vincent, who is this late night movie TV host, similar to like Elvira. Yeah. But he also like used to act in movies.
1: Yeah, where he would say things like. This is the only way to kill a vampire. You know how I know?
0: Because I've done it. Yeah.
1: I've done it. I star in this film.
0: Yeah. And, well, and the interesting thing is the character Peter Vincent is meant, his name is taken from Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. It's meant Mm -hmm. to be like an homage. Right. So basically, Amy has paid Peter Vincent to come with them to try and convince Charlie that Jerry's not a vampire. Well, this kind of backfires because while the holy water doesn't work, his reflection doesn't show up in a mirror.
1: Which, I mean, they even discussed he was just going to use regular tap water. Because it's it's just right. trying to prove a point. Because he doesn't believe this guy's a vampire.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Eccentric, sure. Vampire? Right,
0: right. So, Peter Vincent has said, okay, fuck this shit, I'm out. Because this is an actual vampire. And yeah. I've never actually killed a vampire because they're not real.
1: Until now. Until now. Yeah, good old mirror.
0: So... Ed and Charlie are walking Amy home and Ed just kind of splits off and goes down this alley. They hear him scream and they're like, oh, surely that's just him joking again because he had played the same fucking joke earlier. Mm-hmm. And then all the lights go out and they're like, maybe it's just a power outage. But then like literally like two feet behind them is like a, a power box, a power with, box, with
1: cords, just ripped, cords out. just
0: ripped out and sparks flying everywhere. So they, they go to run from Jerry because now that now she's convinced also or at least kind of.
1: She you knows something funky is going on.
0: Something's going on. And they try to get into... They They go from running down this... In these dingy hallways to suddenly there's a club. As you do. Yeah. And they're trying to get in, but because they're teenagers, they can't get in the door. So they run around to an open window of the club kitchen that looks out onto an alley. Yeah. And there's like a full-on chef. like yeah. With a chef's coat and the hat, yeah, and everything, and I'm just like, why does this club have? First of all, why does this club have a sh- have a kitchen like this? Second of all, why does it have a chef, and why does the kitchen have a window that opens to an alley? Because Amy just, Amy and Charlie just like crawl in this window, and it's where this window. dude is like prepping.
1: Yeah, it's.
0: Um... I don't understand. It makes no sense.
1: I'm trying to justify it. Uh, it's uh,
0: no, don't stop.
1: I won't, as 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 you wish. No, stop, I...
0: don't. Oh. <laughs> there is no justification. Yeah, no. What kitchen anywhere has
1: the club has more kitchen staff than bouncers?
0: Right. There's two bouncers, and this is a, actually a pretty decent sized club, from what I could tell. Um,
1: that apparently only play music thematic for a movie.
0: Yeah, it was all like.
1: The Stalkery
0: vampire themed music. It's so.
1: <laughs> Devo even has a track on, yeah. on, the, on the soundtrack. It's great.
0: Uh, Jerry is doing like these serpentine walking back and forth across the room towards Amy. And I had to rewind it also because at one point I did another. Wait, did you see that?
1: Oh, the blonde hair chick?
0: There is a blonde. There, at one point, Jerry walks past this blonde haired woman who like caresses his chest and the back of his head, which. Here's the thing. I could understand if it was a thing where, like, he was exuding some sort of animal magnetism. Sure. And several people throughout the club were doing that. But she's literally the only person who pays him any attention whatsoever, besides Amy. Literally, nobody else in the club gives a fuck about him except this blonde chick who caresses him and then goes right back to talking to her friends.
1: She's like, I'm going to do it and you're going to love it because my daddy's I a producer.
0: I don't understand. I also love... So Jerry obviously is able to kidnap Amy because it's not that fucking hard.
1: But before he kidnaps her, really the truly most bizarre scene... Is is, that
0: sensual dance that does not match the music that's playing?
1: And it's Jerry and Amy...
0: Who's 17. Well, the character is 17. The actress at the time was 27. Right. But, like... (sighs) Like, he rubs her hand on his ass and then, like, grabs her ass and is doing this very like
1: she she does this almost like I'm going to go down on you move and then pops back up slowly. Yeah, it's
0: very weird.
1: She teases her neck at him. I'm sorry, you don't play chicken with a vampire.
0: Here's my neck. Oh, never mind, but here is also my neck. It's and this is one of the times where I what I'm saying is she go she's very hot and cold is because the other thing I love is when they're spinning and there's like a mirrored wall and she acts, she looks terrified every time she spins and sees her reflection and sees that there's no one dancing with her. And I'm like, you already knew he was a vampire. Like, why are you acting it's scared? Like, it's like
1: she suddenly remembers what's, what's going on. She's right. swept up in the moment. Exactly. I, I mean, it was a choice. And it was a choice of 1985. And it was like, you know, there were a lot of things that happened in the mid 80s that weren't necessarily the best choices but they were choices that were made and they were for the time.
0: I'm trying so hard not to make a self-deprecating joke.
1: (laughs) I could take that in a whole bunch of directions, but this this is not that podcast.
0: (laughs) All right. So my favorite part about the club is the name of the club.
1: Oh, yes. Because
0: Charlie shows up, he gets, he goes back to Peter Vincent. He's like, I need your help. Jerry got us and he's got Amy He chased us into this club called The Club. (laughs) And I'm just like, what the fuck? The Club is just called The Club?
1: I mean... Is this
0: a Saturday Night Live sketch? Did Stefan find this place? In... Is this New York's hottest new club? Do they have everything?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. yeah, yeah, It's... In
0: fairness,
1: I have seen some cleverly named bars and clubs. Um, the- there's uh, one I, I knew, I don't know if it's still around or not, but there's one in uh, St. Louis uh, called uh, That Other Place. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, owned by a former firefighter, or at least at back in 97 it was. So, I mean... You know, I like,
0: I've been to one club in my entire life.
1: Well, now, this, was, this isn't a club, this is a bar, but still, it's called That Other Place, and it... Uh. The whole premise is it's like well do you want to g- go here no let's you go to that go there? other place yeah no let's go to that other place and it's actually called that other place so you know yeah I, I, I get the gimmick
0: yeah okay so let's talk about the climax of this film mm. um what
1: a climax it is
0: so we do find out that ed has been turned into a vampire mm-hmm. and he has a showdown a very brief showdown with Peter Vincent in Charlie's house Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) where for some reason he chooses to turn into a wolf, even though I'm not sure what what sort of strategic advantage that would have. I mean, if you're in a suburban house, like I could, I get turning into a wolf. If you're like chasing someone through the woods or a park, but you're like in a hallway. Yeah. In a, in a house. So I don't know I think you mentioned, you're like, oh, maybe it's faster. And I'm like, I'm not sure how it could be. Maybe I, maybe not, intimidation? I don't know. Maybe.
1: I mean, earlier, though, I do love the little boop that he got on the forehead with the cross that burned him. Oh, the very it's light the, tap. It's the most delicate tap of a crucifix on his head. And it makes this big old burn on his head. And it was... Yeah. Uh, it's the only time I would say striking a vampire with a cross in the most dainty of ways.
0: Yeah. But Peter Vincent does eventually, like, stake him in the heart... And he takes forever, forever to die. I'm just like, I swear, it felt like five minutes.
1: Something there almost felt like, uh, so contractually he was supposed to have X amount of screen time. So...
0: It was very reminiscent to me of Paul Rubens in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm. movie.
1: With his death, yeah.
0: Yes. Where he's just like, ah, 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 like just going, like being very theatrical with it. And I'm just like, dude... Stop milking it. Just die.
1: Yeah. You brought up a good point, though, after the death, after he transformed from wolf back to boy. Yeah. Where you're like, what are you going to do now, old man, standing there with a naked boy in someone else's house?
0: Right. I'm like, you're.
1: <laughs> it's not. It's not a good look.
0: Like, sh- and it's very weird.
1: Chris Hansen should be somewhere nearby.
0: Right. Why does turning into a vampire make Amy's hair longer and red?
1: I have a theory. On that. I've been thinking long and hard about it for the better part of a day. Okay. Someone may have said, you know, when people become vampires, they become sexier. And what can we do to make her look sexier? And they're like, well, with our budget, we could give her longer hair.
0: Uh, apparently, red extensions is what does it. And I love, oh my fucking god. So, like, as she's changing, like, her hair is clearly getting longer. Yeah. She has, like, this, I'm not sure how to describe her haircut.
1: A short feathered blowout.
0: Yes, the kind of the
1: same hair actually she had as Marcy on Married with Children.
0: Pretty much, yeah. But like as she's undergoing her vampiric transformation, her hair starts to get longer and a little bit redder.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Until eventually, it, it's it is like slightly curly, long red hair that's like kind of got a little bit of a blowout.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just like, why is that part of it? And why, once they kill Jerry, and she goes back to being human, is her hair instantly back to the way it was?
1: Uh, Because there was no wait at the salon?
0: (laughs) She hasn't left... David. (laughs) She hasn't left the room. And it's not like there's a pile of hair on the floor. It's like she's one of those dolls that I... (laughs) I distinctly remember having those dolls where you could do a thing to make their hair longer...
1: You, like, ratchet their arm or you something You ratchet like that? their
0: arm, it makes their hair longer, and then you, un- you can undo it. And I don't... <laughs> she's not a fucking Barbie doll. She's a person.
1: So you're saying that she defies the law of matter conservation? It's
0: so weird. It's not like there's just a pile of hair on the floor, it's just all of a sudden her hair is back to normal. Which doesn't make any sense. And I know I'm saying that in a movie where vampires exist, but there has to be...
1: Honestly, vampires existing is the most sens- sensible thing in this film.
0: Right, precisely. The other thing that really weirds me out, how does Peter Vincent suddenly have his job back? Because when Charlie goes to talk to him at his show, he's just been fired.
1: Yeah, he's just been sacked. And because
0: his-, his ratings are so low. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the very end of the film. Everything's fine. Apparently nobody gives a shit about Ed's dead body in Charlie's house. Or the damage to the house that was done
1: yeah. when
0: he wrecked the fucking banister. But Amy and Charlie are in his bed and they're watching Peter Vincent's, you know, Fright Night show again. And he's like, I'm back. No vampires for a while. Now we're going to do aliens. But they're still like the graveyard set and he's still wearing the same outfit. I don't understand. But really, the part that I have a main problem with is how did he suddenly get his job back? It's like your ratings were still... How did you get your job back?
1: Is it possible there is subtext we don't know about? Some something along the lines of maybe he wasn't necessarily sacked. Maybe he wanted to push more vampires in the studio. It was like eh, no, or the network or whatever. And and maybe he's, he's like, well, look, if we're not going to show my films, then I'm not interested in. Maybe he he had a change of heart during this. I say he
0: specifically says it was due to ratings.
1: Well, yeah, I mean ratings, and I love that he said, uh, you know, the kids these days all they want to do is. Watch uh, mindless slashers with a hockey mask killer. And I'm yeah, like, wait they, a minute. They
0: want to watch a killer in a, husky, in a ski mask cut up virgins.
1: And and I'm like, I had to do a quick, quick check and do some math. There had actually been three Friday the 13th films with Jason Voorhees with the mask. So three, four, and five had uh-huh. all been released by the time this film came out.
0: Yeah, because he didn't have the hockey mask until three. Correct. Because in two, it's just like a, a pillowcase yeah. basically on his head. All in all, I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie. It's a fun watch, Oh, definitely. it's a hella
1: fun watch.
0: It is not anything that to be taken really seriously. Yeah. This would probably be like a once a year watch for me, maybe. Really? Maybe, yeah. Ed,
1: I will say Ed kind of bothered me.
0: There is some like, I don't know. what is What about him bothered you?
1: I feel like the way he was played... Either the actor, the director, someone either gave direction that was taken in a particular way mm-hmm. or there was no direction given on to how how to make his character unique. But he seemed kind of like sometimes very infantile and other times very mature. He, he, he seemed a bit frenzied, frenzied and erratic in, yeah. a, in a way that. Was like, dude, are you doing, like, are you putting on a bit?
0: Is this a bit or or is this, Or like,
1: do you have a condition that, that causes, you know, these bouts? Right. And I I wasn't really sure and I wasn't sure how to take it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, 1985 me didn't care. 1985 me said, wow, this is really cool. They're going to actually hunt a vampire.
0: Well, and there have been some people that have Ed, um, slightly gay coded.
1: Hmm. With that
0: haircut? It was the 80s. Leave him alone.
1: I don't recall that haircut in the 80s.
0: I don't know. Anyway. Actually, no. Yeah, I do. I say I do. All right. So let's move on to the remake. So the remake came out in 2011. And it was really funny because David and I were having this discussion when we were going to do this episode. We were like, oh, this will be another one of those ones where, like, we've each seen one of the films, but not the same film. Mm -hmm. Because we were under the impression that I had seen the remake and not the original. And David, it was vice versa. Right. But then I looked at when this movie came out and it was like, okay, it was released in August of 2011. We were living together. Yeah. At that point, and I didn't have a kind of job where I could just I had a lot of downtime at work and could watch movies at work. So like, how have I seen this movie and you haven't? I think you were less than 5 minutes in and you remembered, "Oh yeah, I have seen this movie."
1: I was about a minute and a half in. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I do. I do remember this movie."
0: Which either bode with which for us either bodes very well or it, e- it either means it didn't make much of an impression on you at all, or you disliked it so much that you, your brain just blocked it out.
1: Is that why you didn't talk to me for like 20 minutes? I
0: was like, shit, hopefully it's not the latter. <laughs> hopefully it just didn't make much of an impression, or you just forgot about it. I don't know. It It's It's
1: good. It's got some improvements on the original. There's some things I like better from the original, though, but,
0: you know. We'll, we'll get to that when we're yeah. talking about the... When we're comparing and contrasting here in a little bit. So the 2011 version was directed by Craig Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the screenplay was by Marty Noxon, who was also a screenwriter on um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Oh, cool. So it kind of... There's some follow through. It, it kind of is why some of the lore matches and makes sense. Yeah. So the cast, the late... Heavily missed Anton Yelchin mm. as Charlie Brewster. He was Pat in Green Room, which is a great fucking movie if y'all haven't seen it.
1: If you want a tense horror. Oh, God, go. that
0: one is really good. And, but he was also Chekhov in Star Trek.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Colin Farrell as Jerry, mm-hmm. which Colin Farrell has been in a lot. Um, he was in, in Bruges. Recently, he was the Penguin in The Batman, which we still haven't watched. We should. We should get to that. Christopher mintz is Evil Ed Lee. They changed the last name for some reason. I don't know why. We recently mentioned him as being Neil in Promising Young Woman. Indeed. He's also McLovin in Superbad. Right. David Tennant is Peter Vincent.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great in a, Peter Vincent. In a
0: reworking of the character in a way I really appreciate. Yeah. He was Kilgrave on Jessica Jones. He was also on Doctor Who. He's been in several other things.
1: Yes, he was the Doctor.
0: Mm-hmm. Imogen Poots is Amy Peterson She was uh, Amber in Green Room Mm -hmm. She was also Tammy in 28 Weeks Later Yes So we've mentioned her before And then amazing fucking Toni Collette I love her Jane Brewster She was Annie in Hereditary Mm -hmm. She was in Knives Out She's been in a lot of other things
1: She's been in a ton of things
0: The fact that she has not won an Oscar yet is a travesty
1: Well maybe they should start doing Oscars for horror films because they barely do them. That's true. Unless it's effects or screenplay.
0: All right. So this film, it's the same basic plot. I do kind of like that there is this Charlie and Ed are basically they're no longer friends, really.
1: Yeah, a long time ago they used to be friends.
0: No. Oh my god.
1: Shout out Mars. to Dandy Warhols and their theme to Veronica, Veronica
0: Mars. Veronica Mars. How do you always manage to like every like fifth episode or so you manage to bring in Veronica Mars?
1: Because it's it's amazing. Anyway,
0: okay, that is we're moving on. Um, <laughs> but Charlie, Ed, and this guy Adam no longer hang out. Charlie basically decided once he got to a certain point that he didn't want to be considered like a nerd anymore. So he's dating this the popular girl Amy and hanging out with her friends and it's still like a whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's basically a, a shift of shift of clique. Yeah. Uh, which which can, can be traumatic, especially mm-hmm. in high school.
0: Yeah, exactly. So Ed and Adam have been spying on Charlie's new neighbor, Jerry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like about this particular movie is they changed the setting to where it's a suburb outside of Las Vegas. Right. So the fact that Jerry blacks out his windows... And it only is it only is around at night makes sense. Right. Because he's got this whole cover story is that he is a construction worker or a contractor who works on the Las Vegas Strip. He works at night. Yeah. And so he sleeps during the day. That's that. That's how they make it make sense.
1: Right. And I mean, you know, even when Charlie's talking to his mom about it, she's like half the town. It's nocturnal yeah she's
0: like half the people in our neighborhood you know work nights and sleep during the day it's not that weird um so yeah and it's it's that's the main change is that it takes some convincing to get charlie to believe ed and it's not until ed disappears that he's really like okay he said the shit and now he's gone what's going on
1: right i do appreciate you know this film having ed be the one Instead of Charlie trying to convince everybody, Ed Mm -hmm. being the one to convince him, and then it's on Charlie to convince everybody else.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't even take... He doesn't even really have to try that hard to convince everybody else, because shit pops off pretty quick. Yes. In this movie. I love the font that is used for the title card and also the closing credits. Mm -hmm. It's like this, like weird blood splatter lettering mm-hmm. that's very fluid. I really enjoy. It's very cool looking. Within a minute of this movie starting, I was loving the score. hmm And I'm just like, who wrote this? I had to go look it up, like, immediately. I was like, who wrote this? It's so good. If anybody is really into, like, compo- like film composers and stuff like that, um, this one, this movie is scored by uh, Ramin Jwadi. hmm who also scored uh, Iron Man and all of Game of Thrones, and he's done scores for Westworld and.
1: He's doing the new House of the Dragon.
0: Yeah, he's doing the new Game of Thrones spinoff series. He's done a lot of stuff. I really enjoy his stuff. Yeah, he doesn't do very many uh, like horror scores. Usually, with horror scores, you get like Bear McCreary and right people like that. But so it was nice to see him do something that was a little bit different. Because usually he's doing, like, these big, epic battle scenes and things of that.
1: You know, scoring for sweeping shots and stuff, not the right. suburb.
0: Right, exactly. But his it's, it's really good. I loved it. So I forgot to mention in my cast list, Dave Franco is in the movie. Oh, yeah. He plays Mark, who is one of Charlie's new, like, sort of friends. But the guy also bullies Ed and is kind of a dick. Yeah. I... There are several there are some instances of toxic masculinity in this movie that really bother me. But like at the same time I'm like okay it was the it's the it was 2011. Like I get it. Like we were still we're st- we're still even now trying to deal with that bullshit of mm-hmm. that that toxic ma- masculinity where a 17-year-old can't even drink a fucking frappuccino from Starbucks without being called a bitch.
1: I mean, if,
0: or if- a pussy. It's like, oh, you're drinking that girly drink. It's like, it's delicious. Let him drink his fucking frappuccino.
1: No, well, I may not care for a frappuccino just because it's a little dairy heavy, and I like my coffee angry and bitter. You and
0: like you like black coffee.
1: I like black <laughs> coffee. The the darker, more caffeinated, bitter, the better. Yes. Because that's a flavor profile, I like now. I mean, I used right. to love milk chocolate, and I like dark chocolate. I'm just turning bitter with age, I guess. Right.
0: So a frappuccino is not your thing, but you wouldn't make fun of somebody for drinking one.
1: But cocktails, a tasty beverage, you know. There's nothing girly about wanting something that's pretty and tasty, or hell, even the those uh, drinks from First Watch. Yeah. Those are. The juice? The juices? Yeah, with like with like the turmeric and ginger and beet juice and it's got this pretty like sunset look. Fine. You want to call it girly? Go ahead. It's delicious. It's delicious. And it's mine. So you, back off.
0: Yeah. If you want to drink your Guinness, that's fine. Do whatever. Drink your Guinness, but I'm going to have a sea breeze that tastes delicious. Well,
1: I like Guinness too. I know.
0: But that doesn't detract from my point. I'm going to no. have a sea breeze that tastes like juice. And is delicious and gets me drunk without me knowing it's getting me drunk.
1: Mm. It's a dangerous balance.
0: I'm, I'm aware,
1: <laughs> but I'm an adult. It's like the tequila sunrise. That's more sunrise than tequila.
0: I have fucked up a tequila sunrise where I was, I put way too much tequila in it. And I was like, oh, I'll just fix this. And I chugged like a third of it so I could add more orange juice and grenadine. <laughs> and then was like, why am I getting drunk so
1: yeah, and then you wanted then you wanted a particular kind of wood from a pizza place.
0: That was when I asked for cheese sticks from Little Cedars. <laughs> which is a thing that I have said that Gray and David will never let me live down. I will be on my deathbed. It was
1: the best birthday present you could have ever given me.
0: I will be on my deathbed, and you all will still be making fun of me for that shit. Well. Playing with my hoodie strings. Mm-hmm. Clark had, like, baked a chicken that day, and Mm -hmm. I was hungry, and you just brought me just, like, a hunk of chicken breast. Yeah. So I'm just picking at it like a fucking squirrel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Toxic masculinity.
0: Drink what you like. Eat what you like. Fuck everybody else. You want cheese sticks from Little Cedars? Don't let anybody tell you you can't have it. Yeah. So one thing I really enjoy about this movie is the updating of Peter Vincent mm-hmm. as this Chris Angel type magician who's into like the occults and shit, because the whole late night TV movie host thing doesn't really work in a modern lens. Like with one exception, you've got Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder. Right. But that's like a very ex- like that's that's Shutter. That's its own thing.
1: That's an upscaled version.
0: Well, I mean, like, uh, like it wouldn't work on most cable channels that we have now because the whole...
1: Cable access type stuff really isn't right. super big anymore.
0: Well, and even, like, um, I remember, uh, it was on TBS when I was a teenager, uh, Dinner and a Movie. hmm Where it would be these two people that every once in a while, like, during a commercial break, it would cut back to these two people who were, like, cooking some sort of meal that was thematic to the movie that you were watching. Yeah. Is, um
1: I enjoyed that.
0: I enjoyed that, but it's not it's the kind of thing in in a streaming world, it's the kind of thing that doesn't really work. You would have anymore. to package
1: you would have to package like bespoke films for that and like right either cut it a certain way or just shoot it as that.
0: Right. It would it would be hard to package um and you would have to have a very you would have to have a market for it, which if you don't, what are you doing? You know?
1: Horror fans that like cooking shows. There you go. Ooh. That's us. Uh, wait, that's us. That's us. <laughs> Networks. Netflix. We
0: were literally watching Chopped before we started recording. <laughs> we had a house for my parents earlier this week, and we didn't have access to our Amazon Prime while we were at their house. So I got onto um, my Hulu account, mm-hmm. and we ended up watching Cutthroat Kitchen, which is not nearly as fun, but uh, it's still good.
1: I mean, it's it's neat, but yeah.
0: But yeah, I just love Peter Vincent. I, I love David Tennant's Peter Vincent of uh, being this, like, loudmouth, like, cursing. And, like, as Charlie is talking to him about this whole vampire thing, he's, like, taking off his wig and, like, his sideburns and his mustache and his little soul patch goatee. Mm-hmm. I do not approve, however, of him pouring Midori on a t- <laughs> on a towel to clean off his fake tattoos. That is a waste of Midori, which is a delicious alcohol. <laughs> that was the first thing you ever bought me. Yes. Was a bottle of Midori for my birthday. But otherwise his whole aesthetic I love when they they show his like apartment cuz he's performing at the uh, Hard Rock Hotel mm-hmm. in Vegas. So he's got this whole upstairs like suite, penthouse where it's got all this occult shit he's collected. And there's this, like, fire pit in the middle of the room, and he's just, like, got- just drinking Midori on ice.
1: Yeah, living the life. And there's
0: just these big open windows overlooking the Strip, and I'm just like, I love this. I would love for that to be- to be to reach that level of, of cachet, where I could-
1: You could have attractive assistants just slinking around. Yeah,
0: because and... she was cute. Yeah, yeah. She had a nice ass. I don't know, I just love his whole deal it just i think it's just great. So let's jump back and talk about Jerry for a little bit. Yes. I forgot how fucking sexy Colin Farrell was back in the day. I mean, he's still attractive, but damn. Like
1: yeah, cuz you you messaged me like, when when you were He's
0: eating an apple and he just like wipes his mouth off and you're just like, "Huh." <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, well, no, I was just going to say, you, you, you messaged me when you were doing your rewatch of this. Uh-huh. And you're like, I forgot how sexy Colin Firth, or Colin Firth, <laughs> Colin Farrell. I mean,
0: Colin Firth is also attractive, but...
1: But but not 2011 Colin Farrell. No. And I just kind of looked at it, and I'm like, okay. And then I got <laughs> home and did my rewatch, <laughs> and like I said out loud in an apartment by myself going, yeah, yeah, I, that's a thirst trap. That's, uh-huh. Yeah, right right there. Thanks.
0: I don't think there's ever a moment where he does one of my favorite Hawkeye in a movie things where they're, like, working on a car or they're doing some contr- construction or something and they lift up the bottom of their shirt to wipe their face off.
1: To show to, off their abs. To show
0: off their abs. The, I don't think he ever does that. The
1: Riverdale wipe?
0: Yes. Before Riverdale was a thing, though. Yeah. But, like, I don't think he ever does that, but they should have done it. <laughs> Uh, what he's very attractive uh i'm sure with for the batman they had to work hard to make him unattractive to play the penguin they really had to work for that one i bet
1: we'll have to find out we'll have to
0: find out i will say being sexy does not give you an excuse to say really creepy shit uh specifically when he's when he's talking to charlie because he knows that charlie knows that he's a vampire so he's just being very, initially very discreet about it and just saying these really intimidating things to Charlie. Yeah,
1: the, the the kind of shit talk you do to somebody that sounds innocuous if you have no idea of the context. Yeah. But if you haven't, uh, you know, the answer key to the context, you go, oh, oh, and I can't say anything back. Shit. Yeah. You know.
0: But, like, he specifically calls Amy uh, ripe for the plucking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just like, dude... I know you're like a hundreds of year old vampire, but you can't say shit like that. That's not okay. Yeah. It's weird.
1: I, I feel it, it falls into that whole, well, they were, they come from a different time. Well, yeah. And they've had time to adjust. Yeah. Just like everybody else. Exactly. Doesn't, he doesn't have to say weird. I mean, I mean, he, he doesn't say, you know, check out the whiz bangs and, and, uh.
0: This is know, the cat's pajamas.
1: That's neato burrito. <laughs> you know, I mean.
0: See, now you're acting like phrases I said in junior high are old timey phrases. And that makes are. me uncomfortable. Please don't do that.
1: Hey, I remember <laughs> I remember watching the movie Rad having no idea what the word rad meant. Okay?
0: Okay. All right. I'm going to hop up on my, lo- on my blah, 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 blah. I'll help you up there. Shush. <clears throat> I'm going to get up on my literary soapbox for a minute. Okay. I was an English major in college. And I have read lots of books of varying types of quality. And I feel very confident when I am, when I say the following and I'm probably going to annoy some people and that's fine. You are, you are allowed to like what you like, just like I'm allowed to like what I like. This is just my opinion and my thoughts. Wuthering Heights is not a good book. Everyone acts like it is this amazing love story, but Most of the characters in it are awful people. Heathcliff is an awful person. It's just these two toxic people using the people around them to get back at each other and not caring who gets hurt in the process. And it's like every teen girl in a vampire movie now fucking loves Wuthering Heights. And I honestly, I blame Twilight. Mm. Because in Twilight, that's Bella's favorite fucking book. And so now it's like every angsty teen girl who thinks a vampire is sexy has to like Wuthering Heights. And I don't understand it. It's not a it's not a good book. And I I don't know. It's the only book that 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 particular Bronte sister ever wrote. And I'm glad that it's the only book they ever wrote because it's Mm. terrible. I hate it. And I'm tired of people being like, oh, isn't it great? It's so it's such a great tragic love story. No, it isn't. Just like Romeo and Juliet is not really that great of a tragic love story when you consider the fact that it's between, like, a 12-year-old and another teenager who's, like, 17 or 18. Yeah. Like, it's two teenagers, over, and it takes place over the course of three days. Calm down.
1: It's not Much Ado About Nothing.
0: No. Much Ado About Nothing is great. Absolutely. That is one of my favorite plays. Yeah, um,
1: especially if you got Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves in it. Ugh! Oh, Br- the Kenneth Branagh?
0: The Kenneth Branagh one? Yeah. That is amazing, despite the fact that Kenneth Brenna and Emma Thompson were going through a divorce at the time. Yeah, it's great.
1: That's the arugula in that salad.
0: Right? Seriously. (laughs) What? Wait, I agreed without really understanding what the fuck you meant by that. little peppery note. (laughs) Okay. So one other thought I have about this particular movie is um, a point of contention with Charlie's mom at the beginning is that Jerry has been doing some, like, some sort of home renovation, she's not sure what, because there's he's got a dumpster in his driveway that's full of, like, concrete and other debris, but she knows he's not putting in a pool because she could see it in their backyard, so she's not sure what he's doing. Right. Well, we find out, he says he's putting in a basement, and we find out later that he's doing more than just that. He's also basically built, like, a murder room? Like a series of...
1: Like that, like the kind of thing that, uh, that German guy had with the... Kept, kept the girl in a, a hidden basement.
0: Uh, yo, uh, you're thinking of Josef Fritzl. Yeah. Who uh, kept his own daughter in a uh, underground bunker for like 24 years. Yeah. Um.
1: But not nearly as.
0: But it's like stark awful. white. It actually reminds me a little bit. It's a little bit closer to um, in Fresh. Mm. The because there's individual rooms for each people and it's it's like stark white. God, that was a movie. It was a good movie. I don't think we've talked about it on the show before, but we'll have to at some point. Um, But I think an interesting twist on this formula, because Charlie finds this room, um, and I think it would be interesting if it turned out that Jerry wasn't a vampire, but was just a serial killer.
2: Yeah.
0: I just think that would be an interesting twist on the formula. But, you know. Also, I'm sure I've said this before, but I feel like harvesting people for their blood and then just putting the blood in a fridge would be more efficient than building a series of rooms to keep people captive, and then feed on them.
2: Well,
1: I mean, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna do another food analogy here. Go for it. It's kind of like the, you know, bottled or if you will, frozen seafood versus fresh seafood. Mm-hmm. You want some fresh? You want maybe there's something in the fear that he finds intoxicating. You know that you don't really get with the bottled stuff
0: right but i'm just saying from a from a discretion standpoint if you're not if you're trying not to arouse too much suspicion Mm -hmm. maybe you know harvesting one or two people for as and keeping their blood refrigerated as a as maintenance and then occasionally going out and getting someone fresh
1: so in other words cook at home as much as you can and then dine out
0: precisely
1: we're not here to give advice to vampires.
0: No. It's like, I can, I can make tacos at home, but every once in a while, I like to go out to a really nice local Mexican restaurant and get tacos. It's different. It's not the same.
1: Yeah. There's no cleanup.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. I meant flavor, flavor wise. Oh,
1: well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, I don't have the equipment to make, I don't have the equipment or the time to make like carne asada, hmm. but they do. So you You still go. have the space. Yeah, exactly. So one of my favorite things about Jerry is that about an hour in, he just says, fuck it and doesn't even try to be discreet
1: anymore. He's like, it's a matter of days before the cat's completely out of the bag. Oh, my- may as well.
0: It's so great because here's the the, the the nice thing that happens with this movie is that he doesn't end up getting invited into Charlie's house. Nope. So Charlie and his mom and Amy are in the house. Jerry's wants to get in. Jerry has come over to the house and is like, your son's broken in my house. He's been spying on me. Why don't you let me come in and we'll talk about this? Otherwise, I'm going to call the police. And there's, oh, that- she believes, she at least believes her son enough to be like, you know what? Call the police. I don't give a shit.
1: Yeah. That moment where she goes, you know what? Call the police. Closes the door. Because
0: she can tell something is wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, there may be. Like Charlie is of clearly
0: police- terrified.
1: Yeah. And while there might be seeds of truth to what Jerry is saying, because yes, technically,
0: Charlie did break into his house,
1: and Charlie is stalking him, but with with good reason, With
0: fairly good reason, yeah.
1: But now I feel like I'm defending someone like uh, Joe and you. You know, no, that's
0: different because he's. I feel like I don't know the whole vampire rights is something we'll have to get into when we do an episode on vampires, and we'll look at like some stuff like True Blood where humans know that vampires exist and it's a whole thing
2: mm-hmm.
0: that will be a later episode um, but like when it doesn't work and, and Jerry doesn't get inside he, lo- he just says fuck it and he goes and gets a shovel and they go to the back and she and Jane is just like what is he doing in my yard and this it's so it's such a genius move he he digs up part of the yard until he gets to the gas line pulls it so it disconnects from stuff in the house and then like lights it on fire.
1: Yeah. Cuts it open and lights it on fire. To basically
0: like to f- I can't even say smoke them out of the house because there's Fireball fucking them. Expo- you know, there's explosions.
1: Yeah, he, he straight up fireballs them.
0: He tries to they get in the car and drive away and he tries to get Charlie's broken dirt bike to work and it doesn't. So instead he just picks it up and throws it in the car.
1: He easily threw it what? A block and a half?
0: At least it's so great! I love it! I don't...
1: like. I mean, I know the Summer Olympics are usually done in the daylight, but they might be able to make an exception. He For could, bike throwing? Or shot put? Can you imagine <laughs> what he could do with a shot put?
0: I, I don't think it would work. Huh? I don't think it would... How would they measure it? It would go so far.
1: They'd have someone in a neighboring town.
0: I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, he just kind of stops caring and is killing people willy-nilly. Uh... He kills Mark and another teenager just while they're sitting in their fucking car. Yeah. Like, out in, like, it's not, like, the middle of the night. It's, like, dusk. Yeah. And you're in a suburban neighborhood. I'm like, there could be definitely be witnesses here.
1: Yeah. I I, I know suburbia. There are nosy people that just the slightest sound people are looking out their curtains.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. So, as I mentioned earlier, the screenwriter, she also worked on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is some overlap with the lore. Um, we may actually have to do, like, a, like I've said a couple times already, we may have to just do an episode on vampire history and the lore at some point, because it's Ooh. very different.
1: I've already got my assignment for that.
0: What's your, what?
1: Vampires around the world.
0: Yes, that will be your assignment for that. I'll try um, to keep
1: it under three hours.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll do a two-part episode. Okay. We'll do that. Deal? Deal. Bet. Yeah. All right. We just shook hands.
1: (laughs) I just used a word I learned from a young coworker.
0: What? Bet. The word bet existed.
1: Not in that context.
0: Okay. Moving on. (laughs) But one of the things that is, seems to be fairly true across the board when it comes to um, vampire lore is they can, they can't come into private residences.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: If it is a public building or the house is abandoned, then it's fair game, right? Because like, if it's an abandoned house, nobody owns it technically.
1: Which that w- would probably also fall under like uh, houses that like newly built construction houses that haven't been nobody's
0: own- nobody's bought it yet and nobody lives there. Technically yeah. abandoned. Yeah. Well, and it it allows some interesting thought because like we live in an apartment building mm-hmm. and it's it's a contained building. It's not like somewhere the. The door to our apartment goes out onto an interior hallway. Right. So it's interesting, the idea that a va- because there are public areas of the building, Vampire would be fine in those, but wouldn't actually be able to get into anyone's individual apartment without being invited. Hmm. I just think it's neat to think about.
1: Gosh, that means we've got to like trust all of our neighbors. Ugh. No.
0: We don't. <laughs> we just don't people don't need to be in our apartment (laughs) the makeup work i feel is very good in this movie i do like that they used makeup whenever possible Mm -hmm. they tried to steer away like some of the more advanced stuff like in particular jerry's transformation it's only like the very end Mm -hmm. of his transformation that is cgi everything else is makeup and i was looking at it i was like man this is really good i wonder who did it and then i was watching the credits and it was like makeup supervisor greg nicotero and i was like oh k and b did the makeup okay so that that explains it that's why it's so good yeah um i feel like the amy seduction thing makes more sense here it doesn't feel as weird yeah because there is clearly like a a hypnotism that is happening to her and it's not like a flip-flop back and forth she she says a line
1: though after she's been bit she says a line that Just made my skin crawl, but not necessarily in a bad way, but just like a, it cuts sort of way. What, what line? You're too late, Charlie. He's inside me. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, come on. Yeah. Of course, the whole movie, she's been trying to get him to have sex. To
0: have sex. Yeah. Like.
1: It's almost a reversal. Yeah. of, Of the, of the original.
0: Well, and I, there's this whole going into battle thing. Actually, before I get to that. Uh, One of the other aspects of Peter Vincent's character that they changed for this movie that I really enjoy is he's seen a vampire before. Mm -hmm. Vampires killed his parents. Yes. But he convinced himself that what he saw wasn't real because it was just easier that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just easier to live that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So he has all this occult stuff, but he doesn't really believe in it until he sees Vampire Ed who has come up to the penthouse to try and get Charlie and Amy. And he, like, I love that he just says, fuck it, and just runs into the panic room. Yeah. Which, yeah, makes sense. That's what I would probably do. But he's finally convinced, and initially is, like, I think initially he's going to run. Mm -hmm. But then he realizes that Charlie is able to convince him, basically, to, like, come on, you have to do something.
1: You gotta be better than my dad. You
0: You have to be better than... That's what it was. Uh Charlie
1: Charlie said, Sure. You know, go ahead, run. You know, my dad did the same thing. You know, I can't expect any anybody I look up to to, yeah. to stick around. You know, and and he decided he didn't want to be He decided
0: he wanted to be someone better.
1: Yeah. Um
0: which he didn't way, like the way he was behaving.
1: Which way to put dad pressure on like someone who was a stranger three days ago. Right. <laughs> That's a bit much
0: Yeah. But I love in this one, when they're going into battle, they actually look like they're going into battle. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the original, like, Charlie is just in, like, jeans and a button up and, like, a suit jacket. Yeah, because he dressed up. And Peter Vincent is in, like, his um costume. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, Charlie is wearing, like... He's got combat boots, and he bought, like, a crossbow and, like, got all kitted out. I love he's gone to, like, an army surplus store or, like, something to buy supplies. Yeah. And he puts all this shit on the counter, and the guy just looks at him, and he's like, I'm gonna go kill a vampire. And the owner's like, or the cashier's like, sure you are. And just starts ringing him up. Like, no questions asked.
1: Welcome to Vegas.
0: I'm like, okay, cool. Um, But Peter Vincent shows up, and he's got, like, like, bandoliers of ammo and, like, all kinds of other shit. It's just great.
1: Stakes and crosses and...
0: I love it. They actually look like... They look like they're about to do battle because they are. Yeah. I also think it's kind of cool that it turns out that Jerry is the vampire that killed Peter Vincent's parents. Mm. I love... The the line is... Oh, God. It's it's so... It's it's great, but it's also horribly mean. Uh, When Jerry is talking to Peter Vincent, he's like you have your mother's eyes and then Peter Vincent fires at him and misses and he goes, and your father's aim. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Oh shit. They like fall into this basement room. That's like full of all these turned vampires. Mark is there. Hey Mark. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of cool that, uh, Charlie, because he basically is trying to kill Jerry under the theory that if they kill Jerry, all the other people that he's turned will go back to normal.
1: If he uses the stake uh or it's a nail from uh saint michael or blessed by saint michael
0: was that that i don't know i doesn't i must have missed that part so when he's being like confronted by amy Mm -hmm. like he stabs her with a stake but he misses on purpose she's like you missed the heart and he's like i know i just think that's very sweet
1: because he because he didn't want to do a fatal blow no he doesn't want to kill you
0: he wants to try and save you girl
1: incapacitate not kill
0: right exactly so let's get to my final thoughts. Or our final thoughts, I guess.
1: Yes, please. Compare and contrast. I want some final thoughts.
0: Okay. So this is in regards to both films. So instead of getting blackout curtains, he just painted the windows black, which is way more noticeable and slightly suspicious.
1: Yeah, whereas curtains, you're like,
2: okay, I
0: get Yeah, it. you get blackout curtains. I understand that. Maybe, also, he's
1: a, maybe he's a Rolling Stones fan?
0: I don't know. Also, I'm not trying to give tips to criminals, but if you're going to kidnap and murder people in your suburban home- Maybe soundproof your suburban home.
1: Yeah, because screams are kind of obvious.
0: Yeah. Uh, so my final thing I have is stuff that happens in vampire fiction that bothers me.
1: Okay, what you got?
0: Or it, it, it's not all stuff that bothers me. Some of it is stuff I find amusing, like when vampires hiss at sunlight. <laughs> They hiss at sunlight, and they hiss at crosses, and they hiss at stakes. In
1: fairness, I hiss at sunlight.
0: I know, but, like, why do you hiss at sunlight? Because vampires hiss at sunlight.
1: No, because it hurts.
0: Which is- well, okay. Maybe- yeah, sure.
1: (laughs) It does. Um, That's why I wear long sleeves in the summer.
0: I know. I also find it hilarious when people try to hide from vampires and werewolves like they don't have heightened senses-
1: They can hear your heartbeat and smell you a mile away. What makes you think this cabinet is going to keep you safe?
0: Right? Like, at one point, Charlie is whispering. And I'm like, why are you whispering? He can hear you. Like, he can hear your heart beating. He can hear your blood pumping through your body. He can definitely hear you whispering. He can also smell you, for sure. What is it with vampires and teenage girls? It just seems weird.
1: Vampire just sits there and goes, teenage girls. I get older; they stay the same. <laughs> That's what I love about
0: these high school girls. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I also, in thinking about it, I feel like most vampires, after a certain time, would probably be VPN sexual. Absolutely, because you gotta feel like eventually, even if even if you start out like straight, like you're 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 a, you are straight. Let's let's a person is straight. And they get turned into a vampire, eventually they would get bored and curious.
1: I mean, yeah, especially if you have eternity. It's like,
0: that's like, you know... Right? Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying you would try everything, but there are certain things you would definitely try. Absolutely. Because why not? You're a fucking vampire. Who gives a shit?
1: Exactly. It's like, for a second, when you're pointing at me saying, you are straight, I'm like...
0: No, you are not. No. You're not straight and neither am I.
1: I'm not a pot, but High I am... High five. <laughs> pan five.
0: Um... Uh for you it's a pan five for me it's a by five yeah um (laughs) i also feel like this seems to happen a lot in vampire fiction uh where people seem to not know how to kill a vampire yeah which it seems weird to me because most people know basic vampire methodology like our niece is 12 Mm -hmm. and she knows at least three different ways to kill a vampire already
1: yeah, like that she could rattle off pretty quick, right? Pretty quickly. Well, because because you sent out that uh, that text to to group.
0: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I sent out a text. Uh, I sent it to the group text we have with our friends Gray and Liz, and I sent it to a group text I have with my sister, my niece, and my mom. And I got various responses of ways. My niece knew at least three.
1: Yeah, just being able to rattle. I mean,
0: Liz knew one I completely forgot about. Hmm. Of um, they can't cross running water.
1: I mean, it won't kill kill them,
0: but it'll set them back.
1: It'll buy you some time.
0: Right. But like, so it seems just really weird to me that Charlie has to ask, especially in the original film where the movie starts with him watching Fright Night, which is a series, which is vampire films with his girlfriend. So it's like, why did you then have to go and ask your friend? Like you are a horror fan. Like, this is a show that you like enough that you have it on.
1: Not only does he have it on, but uh, Amy even stops the makeout session and go,
0: look, Peter Vincent's oh, on. Oh, hey, Peter Vincent's on. Don't you want to watch? Which I like, mean. She knows it's his favorite show.
1: Yeah. So it's like.
0: So it's like, why do you have to ask someone else how to fight a vampire? Shouldn't you already know? It's weird.
1: I mean, in, yeah.
0: It's like I. It's, it would be like me going and trying to find someone to ask, how do you kill a vampire? It would make no sense because I should already know.
1: Well, see, I'm actually the target audience that would have the biggest difficulty with with either of these iterations of Jerry, because in in a lot of these cases, I mean, yeah, he's he's killing to feed a bit, but he's turning a lot.
0: At least in the remake, he's turning quite a few people. It seems like he's not even doing it on purpose. There is. And and when we whenever we do talk about vampire lore, we'll get into it a little bit more. There is some stuff in, in some lore where it's like, if you get bitten, you turn automatically. But there is other stuff where it's like, you have to choose to turn the person because it's not just.
1: It's an exchange.
0: It's an exchange. So it's, if you get bitten by a vampire and they feast on your, bl- and they eat, drink some of your blood, you then have to drink some of their blood to turn into a vampire. Right. That's how it works in, um, Buffy in true blood. Uh, I think that's how it works in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Twilight? But um, yes, technically Twilight, although they're the glittery rock vampires are weird.
1: <laughs> it's not glam rock, it's glitter rock.
0: They be- they're geodes.
1: <laughs> Edward Cohen's actually Geodude
0: That's an insult to Geodude, honestly. <laughs> and he's not even Geodude's not even that great at Pokemon. Uh. anyway I feel like when we do these remake redux I either end up preferring the remake or I like them both the same I which it seems unfortunate the only time I I was thinking and the only time I know for a fact that that hasn't happened was when we did Halloween Mm -hmm. because John Carpenter's original is worlds above better than Rob Zombie's effort yeah I mean the, the 1985 film is fine but I will say if if I had to pick only one of them to watch For the rest of my life, let's say, like, you can only pick one and the other one you never get to watch ever again. Mm. I would pick the 2011 one. I I like the story better. I like the cast better. It's just a more interesting story to me. And there are less weird plot holes that make no fucking sense. So, yeah. Fair. What are your thoughts?
1: I still have an extreme nostalgic soft spot for what I believe is my the first vampire film I ever saw.
0: And I might too, if, it, if I had seen this movie when I was younger, but like...
1: I mean, I still, I, I have a similar soft spot for the original Robocop, which has not aged well. No. <laughs> in any way. Uh-uh. Uh, that that was, I, I got my parents to rent that for me when I had strep throat the first time. Yeah. It felt bad for me because I was, I was in horrible pain and, and I was like, I want to watch Robocop. And they're like, no, you're too young for them. I want to watch Robocop. But yeah anyway that's a different story moving on uh, <laughs> but I don't the original is fun the remake is put together it's it's kind of like if you go back and you read some some papers or look at some drawings from years and years ago and you go oh, wow you know look how far I've come mm-hmm. you know but you look at it and you can still see these sparks of brilliance and some ideas you're like you know what Had I pursued this route further, you know, I might have been able to make this make more sense. Or why was there a chef in that club? I don't know. Like, like, he looked like Chef Boyardee.
0: Yeah. Like, literally, like, from the package.
1: Yeah. And tonally, it was a lot more camp. It was a lot more, um...
0: It it is of its era. It's definitely an 80s movie.
1: Right. I feel the moment that sets the actual tone... For the remake mm-hmm. is something we haven't discussed. And that's when Charlie successfully rescues a captive from Jerry's lair.
0: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: And he gets her outside and
0: she, she basically just explodes from the sunlight. Yeah. And like part of her arm is still on the ground.
1: And that's when it's like, okay. I
0: had forgotten about that part. Cause it's been, it's been over 10 years since I watched this movie.
1: It's at that moment. Then you, that you go, Okay. So these are the stakes.
0: Oh, my God. And I love the little bits when he's like getting trying to get out of the house and he's trying to be sneaky, like they're sneaking past Jerry and then they get to where they're like going past this door and they think he's watching TV. But then you see there's like a silhouette and he's watching them and he's letting them leave. And because after she explodes and Charlie's just standing there shocked, it cuts back inside and it cuts to Jerry and he's just like smirking and takes a bite of this apple
1: because, I mean, he took care of two two issues. One, he's got the kid scared. Two, mm-hmm. he's probably done with her anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, he play he was playing with them. Yeah. That's the thing I like about uh, in some vampire stuff is they, they, they're like cats in the way that they play with their prey.
1: But I, I feel like both films actually also address something that has always been very intriguing to me in vampire lore. What's that? Is that both iterations of Jerry... Don't look at vampirism as a curse, but a gift. Yes. And they're like...
0: No one will... Like, specifically, I think in both movies, he basically says to Ed, no one will ever make fun of you again. Yeah. Like, you will never be bullied. Ever again. You
1: you, you have no power. You want power. I will give it to you. Yeah. You know, I I, I will take away all of the things that hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you, and you can do anything you want. Yeah. And... There's something so enticing about that, and you know, the immortality and the there, strength and
0: it's it's a weird seduction. it's it's seduction, but not in a sexual way, I mean, it could be right. but in the specifically in the offering of like it's it's the seduction not sexual, but like the seduction of power mm. of strength of beauty, yes.
1: I mean, well, I mean, not, not all, not all vampires are, are created equal. You in don't instantly department.
0: become sexy when you get, when you become a vampire. That is the thing that they, they, they bring up in True Blood that I really like, where there's this one guy who gets turned and you just look the way you did when you died. So yeah. because he was like short, overweight, he was like, well, you don't instantly become, you know, sexy when you die. You, when you return, you just look, you're just a vampire now. Yeah. But yeah, that's just the, I don't know. I I like both of these movies, but I definitely like one better. <laughs> and I just miss Anton Yelchin so much. Mm. I was having this thought when I was watching this movie that um, Anton Yelchin would have made a really good Peter Parker. I agree. Just especially with this character, some of his mannerisms reminded me of some of um, Tom Holland. yes, that Tom Holland's um, <laughs> mannerisms in the Spider-Man and Avengers movies. Yeah. It, it was very... There oh. was a similarness that was like, man, he would have been a really good Peter Parker. Yeah. But I think that's going to do it for us. We have a ziti that I made that needs to be put in the oven so we can mm. eat dinner.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, so, With Lots of garlic. Lo- lots of garlic, lots of cheese. As always, you can find us on through our social medias uh, via our website. There are links. We are h 2 com. There's links to our Facebook, Twitter... Um, There's also a link to our Patreon. We are patreon.com slash h2horrorcast. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. That goes towards uh, upgrading equipment, um, buying and renting films, various other things that we need to make the show better. Or happen. Or happen at all. Um, Shout out to our current patrons, Liz, Lizzie, Gray, and my mom. Y'all are the best and we love you. Mm Mm-hmm. Special shout out to Lizzie for finding my niece's birthday present for me. Yeah, that rock star <laughs> right there. Thanks, thanks to their TikTok. <laughs> anyway, um, if you are not able to be a patron for whatever reason, we get it. We're not there with other people that we That's follow. Cool. It's fine. Um, you can support us in other ways. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Google, Spotify, if you listen to us in a way that basically allows you to rate and review and you do it, that would be awesome. Yeah. It it legitimately does help us out. Yeah. As far as like algorithms and stuff go. And you can also just recommend us to like a friend. Yeah. Or an enemy if you think they would hate us or something. I don't know. Why did I say that? That's a weird thing to say.
1: Well, you know what? Maybe we'll change the enemy's mind and then they might come back to you and go, you know what? Maybe. I've been a dick.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for this. These, this couple is hilarious and fun and great.
1: What I've been missing Other in my gerunds. life are, are random tangents and food references in a <laughs> horror podcast.
0: Speaking of food references, we are getting closer to actually our second podcast.
1: Launching, yeah.
0: Launching. Uh, once Lunching. <laughs> Lunching. <laughs> once we actually get it recorded and edited and are releasing, uh, we'll let people know if anybody is interested in listening to us talk about some, sort of Using food analogies to talk about horror movies, if you want to hear us just talk about food Yeah. And not swear or talk about dicks as much, um, or at all. <laughs> that will be the new show.
1: I mean I think then the only time we'd be talking about dicks is if they're like you know, it's like you got a chopped basket where they're talking about bull penis. It's like uh, Or gooey duck. Okay, gooey duck's not a penis, it's a clam, but it looks it... like
0: a penis. And it squirts. It does. I've seen videos. It's,
1: it's... really weird challenging
0: anyway (laughs) so that's gonna do it for us um until next time i'm tia and i'm still david and stay spooky friends
1: but music for this episode is save us now by shane ivers our artwork is by katherine nixon